Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Despite laudable progress in recent years to create a more circular economy for plastics, the food industry still has a long way to go to meet ambitious and fast-approaching goals to reduce the use of total and virgin plastic and incorporate more post-consumer recycled content in their packaging. According to the most recent progress report from the New Economy Global Commitment, funded by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and the UN Environment Program, the CPG industry's use of virgin plastic finally appears to be on the downward slope after decades of exponential growth with participating brands and retailers reporting a collective reduction in virgin plastic consumption of 1.2% between 2019 and 2020, which follows a 0.6% reduction the previous year. This is after the global plastics market grew from about 2 million metric tons in 1950 to more than 300 million metric tons in 2015. So among food companies participating in the global commitment, 80% reduced their virgin plastic packaging by 5% on average, although some drove far larger decreases, including Unilever, which dropped by 50%, Nestle by 33%, and Mars by 25%. And although praiseworthy, these decreases were partly driven by COVID-19 disruptions that likely are not sustainable as a more intentional efforts, such as reducing virgin plastic by increasing the use of post-consumer recycled content, a strategy that the food industry has struggled to leverage despite several large players committing to using 25-30% to post-consumer recycled content weight in plastic packaging by 2025. Indeed, as of the end of 2020, food industry signatories used an average of just 2.6% post-consumer recycled content, the lowest of all the sectors analyzed. While using post-consumer recycled content in food packaging without sacrificing quality or contributing to other environmental challenges like food waste is difficult, it's not impossible. As illustrated by Criminelli Fine Meats' successful launch this month of trays for its premium sliced charcuterie products made from 80% post-consumer recycled content. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Eric Schwartz Johnson, the chief marketing officer at Criminelli's parent company, Charcuterie Artisans, shares how the company achieved this significant milestone, including limiting factors and challenges that it overcame. He also discusses why the move is not just good for the planet, but also the brand's business, and how it fits into the company's larger sustainability goals. So for Creminelli, the decision to transition from 100% virgin plastic to 80% post-consumer recycled content was easy to make once it realized the potential environmental impact, according to Schwartz Johnson. But that doesn't mean the evaluation process was simple. Schwartz Johnson explains that companies need to consider the whole life cycle of packaging and how one change 
could positively or negatively impact other aspects of a product's environmental impact and the business's primary goals. This also needs to be weighed against the potential of other investments that could have a bigger impact. We looked across our business and said, hey, what is a a step we can take that is not going to solve everything, but is at least a meaningful first step where we can have a real impact? And, you know, to us, it became really evident. Our core product line is this line of plastic trays of sliced charcuterie. Um, We sell over 10 million of them a year. They're um, kind of Oftentimes, the shorthand that you'll hear people use when they talk about them is the idea of an adult lunchable. So they're, you know, trays of either meats or meats and cheeses, or, or sometimes those ingredients are paired with things like crackers or a dried fruit. And so, you know, we're selling 10, 11 million of these trays a year. And so, and right now, that's all in virgin plastic. And so it seemed to me to be just a great place to dive in and understand how can we start there and address that issue for our brand. Um, obviously, it's, a, it's complicated. You know, there are a lot of things that go into the design and selection of packaging materials, things like shelf life, and we want to have, you know, transparent packaging because that's part of our ethos as a company is we really want people to be able to see our product and, and understand what they're getting when they buy it. Um, and so we, we had to work through some of those issues to kind of identify what technologies were available to us and then see how um, really how far we could go within that technology. So there are many emerging technologies out there, things like biodegradable and compostable packaging, and those could be wonderful opportunities in, in the future. But what we felt really was the way we could make an immediate impact was with post-consumer recycled content. And of course, from there, the question was, how much of our tray can we make with this material? And what we found is because we need um, a barrier uh, in our packaging for shelf life reasons, 80% was the max amount of content in our tray that we could convert to this post-consumer recycled material. And so we went straight to the maximum of what we could achieve. you know, really our, our only limiting factor was um, that our products are longer shelf life. And, and I do think that's important. It's important to how we execute with our retail customers. Um, and I think it's also important from a sustainability perspective because um, food waste, I think, is, a, is another, you know, really challenging kind of related sustainability issue. I've read that as much as 30 to 40% of our food supply is, is wasted. And so we didn't want to solve one issue on the the sort of packaging content front and then create another issue on food waste because all of a sudden, um, you know, our, our, our product shelf life wasn't, wasn't there. And so we wanted to maintain shelf life. So that was a key thing that we needed to solve. Obviously, product quality and safety is, is a non-negotiable. You know, we have to have the product and packaging that's going to make it food safe and maintain the quality we need. With this in mind, the company found it could go as high as 80% post-consumer recycled material and still check food safety, quality, and presentation variables that were essential to the brand. Criminelli also is taking steps to reduce the environmental impact of the corrugated cases in which it ships its products 
by sourcing from a supplier that uses 100% renewable, recyclable fibers and which plants the equivalent of one and a half trees for each tree that it uses to produce its corrugate. Another challenge that may be holding other food players back from incorporating more post-consumer recycled content into their packaging is the cost, which Shorts Johnson acknowledges is higher and not necessarily something brands can pass on to consumers, many of whom increasingly see sustainability efforts as table stakes. You do pay a premium for post-consumer recycled materials, and the less of it you use in your packaging, obviously the cheaper it is to produce that packaging. Um, But you know, we felt like this was an investment that was really worth making. We wanted to lead the industry, um, not just kind of anti into the game, but but truly lead the industry. We are, you know, our two ounce prosciutto tray is the best selling prosciutto in the United States. And so we, we view ourselves as a leader in charcuterie and feel like this is another area where we want to lead. And so, you know, some of these are challenging decisions maybe, but um, for us and for how we think about our brand and our company and that core mission we have and and how we want to operate, honestly, it was not a difficult decision for us to go all the way in on 80% PCR. We are absorbing the cost. Um, I view it as an investment, honestly. I, I think this is an issue that we know that our consumer really cares about. It's an issue that we really care about. Um, you know, for example, we know from consumer research that our consumers are much more concerned about the environment, much more likely to recycle, two times as likely as the average consumer to pay a premium for sustainable products. Criminelli as a brand tends to skew to a, a younger consumer. Most of our consumer base are millennials, although we, you know, our brand certainly resonates with foodies of, of kind of all ages. Um, but but this is an issue that's important to us. It's, it's an important issue to our consumers. And so as much as anything, I just look at it as an investment to continue to build trust with our consumer that we as a brand, whether it's, you know, the approach we take to making our products, the quality of that final product, how we package that product. We want all of those things to come together to build trust with our consumer. And so, it's part of the reason I, I think that we didn't want to kind of take half measures or, you know, just get to 50% when we could have gone to 80%. So for me, this is not about a short-term ROI. Um, you know, certainly my hope is that because we're taking this step, um, we'll attract new consumers um, who, who think it's important. And maybe the fact that we had a product line in version plastic before that's now in an 80% recycled tray will um, – get them into our brand and they'll try the product. And, and I think we're confident that if they do, they'll love it. Um, you know, we hope it'll make our current consumers more loyal to the brand um, because of what we're doing and how we're doing it. So I do think that there will certainly be a, a return on investment, but um, you know, we're looking, like I said, more, I think at the longer term and how do you build a relationship grounded in trust with consumers based on the actions that you take, as opposed to trying to flip a, a quick ROI. In order to realize the full return on investment from a branding, consumer engagement, and sales perspective, Criminelli needed to effectively communicate to shoppers 
the importance of the packaging change and how it was representative of the company's broader values. Um, so when our new packaging ships, you'll see on the front of the package the very um, prominent communication of, in our case, we are taking our um, sliced charcuterie tray platform to 80% post-consumer recycled plastic content in the trays. And so that's being communicated right on the packaging. We also have a QR code we've integrated into the packaging. I think over the last couple of years, consumers have gotten way more familiar with using QR codes. They've seen them now in restaurants for, for you know, menus and things like that. And so um, I think QR codes are now a really effective tool to put right on the packaging. And in our case, that's going to link consumers to a page of our website where they can learn more about what we're doing from a sustainability standpoint, both with packaging as well as other initiatives that we're, we're pursuing in addition to just packaging. And then I think one thing that is really important to communicate to consumers or help consumers understand more about this issue is making these impacts tangible. You know, sustainability is so broad and it's, um, it is really complex, like you said. And so one of the things that, that we're trying to do in our communications is, is help people understand, for example, the, this specific initiative that we're undertaking to convert our, our sliced charcuterie line to 80% post-consumer recycled content will divert 11 million, the equivalent of 11 million water bottles annually from landfills and oceans. And, and I think that, you know, it's a lot of times when you talk about these sustainability initiatives, you know, you see a lot of numbers thrown around and, and you know, what does 80% post-consumer recycled content mean and what is the real impact of that? And so we're trying to communicate that in ways um, that just make it really, really simple what, what is being achieved. Criminelli's sustainability efforts extend far beyond its packaging into how it sources pork for its premium charcuterie, with the company prioritizing animal welfare, but using only what it calls 100% humanely raised pork from family-owned farms. We have a, a, a standard we call humanely raised that encompasses a whole lot of different dimensions of how the pigs are raised. So it means that they, are, they have access to the outdoors, they're raised in open living conditions, they're fed a vegetarian diet. Um, we don't use animals in our production that are treated with antibiotics. Uh, they don't use gestation or farrowing crates. So the sum of all of that really is that the animal, um, in this case pigs, which is the, the primary ingredient for us, um, have the opportunity to live according to their natural tendencies. And we just think that that's a clearly more humane way to treat animals and produces a better, better quality pork. By raising the bar for animal welfare, Criminelli also raised the standards for its quality of its products and the livelihoods of the farmers with whom it sources. Our real quality implications for how animals are treated and how that translates through to the final product. And in short, I think happy pigs make a better product. There's a um, great story or, or little anecdote that Cristiano has often shared where um, he was working with this small farm making salami and over time was seeing the quality of the pork that he was getting start to erode. And so he went to visit the farm and eat with the farmer and kind of see if they could figure out what was happening. 
And what he discovered is that the farmer had changed the layout of the farm and where the pigs on the farm were being housed was moved closer to the highway. And the noise of the highway was stressing out the pigs. And to the degree that Cristiano, you know, downstream could actually detect that the meat he was getting from these pigs was different. And so that, that's always stuck with me, the degree to which um, how these animals are treated is important to the ultimate, the quality ultimately of the product that's produced with them. And then the thing that has been really exciting to me about the partnerships we have with our farms is how they have enabled family farms to stay in families. We work with a really broad network across 11 Midwestern states of family farms. And I've, I've had the opportunity to visit a couple of these farms and meet a couple of these families. And, you know, they know that by producing um, pigs to these higher standards that we call humanely raised, but that enables them to charge a premium for their pigs. And that premium is really important in keeping them in business because obviously they would really be challenged to compete with large factory farms um, just on cost alone. And so by raising the animals in, in humanely raised conditions and not treating them with antibiotics and those types of things, it enables them to keep their farms and their families, which I um, really think has been um, kind of almost inspirational, inspirational to me to see. While Criminelli may initially have adopted its animal welfare standards, focus on farmer support and sustainability efforts because they aligned with the founders' values, Shorts Johnson explains that it also makes business sense as their significant growth drivers. He explained that in recent years, consumers have taken a greater interest in where their food comes from, how it's produced, and its impact across the value chain. And now that knowledge is impacting their purchase decisions at a level he says he has never seen before. If you just simply look at the performance of companies that have integrated sustainable practices into their business models, they're simply performing better than companies that aren't. Um, you know, a, a couple of statistics that really resonated with me, despite the fact that sustainably marketed products are about 16% of the total consumer packaged goods market, they delivered 55% of consumer packaged goods growth and grew seven times faster than conventional products. So one of the things that I think is exciting about this is that we're at this convergence where, you know, people aren't just interested in this or talking about it, but it's, it's actually influencing their purchase decisions and the companies that are behaving in ways that are more sustainable and more responsible are, are, are benefiting from a business perspective as well. I don't think there has to be a choice between investing in sustainability and profits. In fact, I think quite the opposite is true. I think there's also another element of this from a business standpoint, just in terms of motivating the, the internal team. You know, I, I think this is an initiative. There's obviously a lot of things that we work on as a company. There are a few initiatives that I would say have generated the kind of internal enthusiasm and even pride from our own employees that we are taking on this issue, we're doing something meaningful. And I think that has a, a real positive impact for businesses and for employee engagement as well. 
With that in mind, Shorts Johnson said the company continues to push the envelope and become a more sustainable and inclusive company. We're in the process of just undertaking right now is an audit to look at this issue more broadly for our entire company um, and and evaluate how we're doing in six core areas to begin with. So we're looking at how we're managing our energy. We're looking at food waste management, packaging life cycle management, food safety, continuing, of course, to look at responsible meat sourcing, and then also looking at employee engagement to include topics like diversity and inclusion. And so what we want to do is understand where we are today in those six key areas, obviously identify areas for improvement going forward, and then set goals around those as well. To illustrate Criminelli's approach, Schwartz Johnson stressed sustainability is not a destination, but rather a journey, which means there are many ways that companies can make meaningful changes and that each adjustment doesn't need to be earth-shattering, just earth-beneficial. can be daunting to even know where to start. And so I think my sort of call to action, if you will, for our industry is just pick an area where you can have immediate impact and take action, start somewhere. You know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to solve everything at once. We're not solving everything at once. We identified an an area where we felt like we could have a really big impact immediately, and then we're going to build from there. And so we just committed the resources to that and then to looking at the issue more holistically going forward. And with that sage advice, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and tune in again for our next installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.